Hey, Zach, pen check. Oh, got it right here. Good. Wait, wait, wait. There's mine. There's click, mine. <laughs> click for proof. That's the only accountability Hashtag we have click here. Click for proof. <laughs> That's right. Those of you out there, hopefully you're carrying your pen with you. If not, yeah. you're not going to be able to write it down. You're not going to be able to sign your receipts with your own pen yeah. rather than the company pen they That's gave you. That's actually a very baller move. Power move. But Zach, how are you, man? I'm alive. How are you doing? It's been I'm alive. since we've talked. I'm alive. I'm glad you're alive. But barely breathing. Alive. Still alive, but I'm barely breathing. I almost died the other night. You... Zach, are you serious? At your hands. Don't even play this. My game. hands. Don't Zach, even. Don't I even play this. But care for you. Do not even play this down. <laughs> this will be my mom's first time hearing the story. Oh, Mrs. Dawn. This is gonna be tough for her. I am so. This is. Here's the deal. He'll exaggerate it, Miss Dawn. I don't know. Shout out, Dawn Funderburk. The best. I don't know. So the other night, Cooper, we're driving home from. Where were we? Oh, and this interview, actually. Actually, yes. We literally were, this yeah, interview. Yeah, we were driving home from the interview with Kyle Sims, and Cooper looks over at me and says, Zach, we're boring. I said, what? He said, dude, we've just been watching Stranger Things the past Shout week. Out. Shout out Stranger Things. If you haven't watched it, it's amazing. Check the ratings. Amazing. Yes. We love it. But I mean, like, your age. Like, yeah, at, yeah. If you're, it under, if you're under, like, 13 or whatever, I think That's it's true. like, ask your parents about it. If your parents say yes or you're above 18, go for it. It's a five out of five for me. But that is all we've been doing this week. Yeah. I, I, we realized that. So we're like, what could we do? So we look into, like, title boxing classes, yeah, some jiu-jitsu too classas, too late, they're all closed. So we're like, what's open that we could do that's fun, it's inside, it's cold? So we're like, rock, rock climbing. climbing. Of course, we're going to go rock climbing. Our freshman yes. year we did a lot, haven't done it in a while, so we're like, dude, yes, please, let's go rock climbing. So we go to one in Dallas, and it's packed, so many people. Like, ridiculous amount of Comedically people. full. Yeah. It's Lines like, of people are sitting, looking up at the wall as people ridiculous. are climbing. And first of all, we're noobs, so we can't really go no, and do it in front of us. We can't hang. We, that's actually all we can do is hang. hang. We can't climb. We can hang. That's a good point. So we go to the one in Grapevine where there's significantly less people. Right. There's more room to work. 30 min- so understand, we drove back to yeah. campus, drove 30 minutes to um, Dallas. the Dallas location, then drove 30 minutes from the Dallas location to the Grapevine location. So we are an hour invested of drive time. Right. So we're like, we have to climb. We are climbing. And we have to do everything here. Yes. And so we're bouldering, dude. We're belaying. We're climbing. We're like doing all the stuff. Yes. Like pretending to have chalk. Like right. my hands are tingling. Right. Complaining about our forearms. Yes. Specifically that. S- still complaining about my forearms. Yes. Anyway, so we, we keep going. And I look, I'm like, dude, Coop, there's like a, a rope ladder in the middle of the room. Yeah. It's like a ladder with PVC pipe as rungs. Yeah. So they're kind of like separated and it's super skinny it's like a fourth width it's of, hard yeah it's a difficult ch- it's difficult like, to climb for sure but of course i conquered it yeah, yeah. of course you so did, i'm like, like a champion yeah but before that i'm like coop will you belay me like so he has to hold me he's the only thing keeping me alive if i fall from True. the top and so coop's like of course like we didn't even go through the recertification process we had already we've been certified. we've done it I have a i have a strong history right you did ropes at canicuck i worked at canicuck camps which is like legitimately one of the most difficult places to be rope certified. Right. Like actually. Like Diane really Harmon. Good, yes. She have will have to check you. Safety rating. And that is so scary. However, I worked that summer of 2017. And this is 2020. So it had been quite a few times since I was on belay. Right. But say. of course, I trust Cooper. Basically, to if you don't know what belay is, Zach's harness was hooked up through a pulley attached to the ceiling down, clipped into mine with a little mechanism that allowed me to look, like raise the rope so that it, there remained tension. Right. And he was able to be suspended 
by the harness and safe. Right. And Just I felt gym. safe climbing up. Yeah. I felt safe. And I was, I was like, I was doing, I know I was confident in your work. And so I get to the top. I'm at the, the ceiling of this building. Yeah, literally. Probably 50, 50 feet high. Like 30 yeah, feet. 40, well, 40. Okay. 42. We'll go, I'll give you 40. That might not even, I'm not good. It at, was high. I'm not good at it's predicting tall. distances. Come on. I'll say that. It it's was tall. high. It was 30 feet's a three-story building. That's a good point. It was high. Anyway, so I get to the top, and I'm like hanging on the ceiling. Right. And I look down. I'm like, all right, dude, I'm going to drop. You ready? And you're like, yeah, man. Yeah, let's go. And so I let go of the ceiling, and I just like, – Yeah, like at the, the top ladder. of the rope. Yeah. And then it's just like I've, nothing happens. And He's I'm just, just like dangling. Like I'm dangling and swinging at the top of this like building. like a wrecking ball. I did. Shut up. Literally. No, don't shut up. Just kidding. Okay, anyway, but I'm swinging up there, and – so Coop, I like, I'm like, all right, dude, yeah, funny joke, yeah, this really hurts. Like, I'm getting rope burn, hurts um, bad. Fun fact, harnesses aren't super comfortable. Not at all. No. So I'm dangling, and I like look down, and Coop's like nervous, smiling, like kind of chuckling, looking up at me. And I'm like, dude, you're so funny, ha ha. And then he just yells up at me, hey man, why don't you go ahead and grab the ladder? <laughs> and I'm like, did I sound calm? Yeah, but there was a tingle in your voice. But I sound I I'm cool and calm, collected under pressure. You do. Like you're you're Coop the kid. I'm Coop the kid. And so I'm like, you're literally kidding. And so I like am swinging myself. You couldn't reach it. I couldn't first. reach it. Like you had to literally create momentum and <laughs> swing over, literally like a wrecking ball. I know. And so then I finally grabbed the rope, and I'm just hanging Let on. Let me just for give you the life. sound effects. <laughs> so, grab it. I grab it, and I'm hanging on for dear life. And I look, I'm like, dude, what is wrong? And we're like yelling. And Coop is like, shh, shh, shh. Because he didn't like, want workers to right, see. I didn't want people to come. I'm like, like, dude, this, my life is on the line. I knew that. Yeah, okay, keep going. My I'll life is on the line. I'll version of the story after. And so then he's like, I forgot how to do it. And I'm I like, you're kidding. that out loud. Yes, you did. Oh. I promise you. Okay. So I'm keep dangling going. up there. And you finally figure it out. I wasn't. Here's the deal. I, I trust you. And I wasn't scared for my life. Yeah. But I was scared for my ankles. That's fair. I was like, I'm going to fall quickly and I'm going to hit the ground kind of hard. And I'm okay with that because it was my choice to climb and my <laughs> choice of belayer. And I made a bad one. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What's your version of the so story? So basically, I'm like doing well. I'm doing the procedure to get him up the top. And then once he's up at the top, I'm looking down. And I'm like, dang, I don't remember exactly how to let the... Like, because the device that the rope is fed through is automatically held with tension. Right. So, like, if he were to drop, like, obviously I'm holding on to the rope, but theoretically it shouldn't do anything. So, I knew that, like, I had to do something specific. There was, like, a little lever to pull that was going to release the tension, but I didn't remember, like, how fast it would release the tension. So, I was slowly moving the lever in case it, like, I was really going slow so that you would be safe. I understand how from your end you're perceiving it as me looking just, like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> and there were like people like, yeah. not like gathering, but from where they were sitting around the room, like people that weren't climbing, they were kind of like starting to They're look up at you. They're all watching me. I'm just dangling. I look like a pinata. Right. Yeah. I mean, Zach literally was a strong pinata, but I let him down safely. Like, to be fair, it was probably not my best move to leave him up there on the <laughs> harness for that long. Oh my gosh. It was so But funny. I was like, I knew that he wasn't going to get hurt. I was just getting nervous because I knew that he was getting nervous that I didn't want people to start coming over because right. I was figuring out I just you. didn't want to go like rush and then him get hurt. Oh. So it was really, I was being overly cautious, which led to some nervousness in my friend Zach here. All that to say, I'm just glad to be sitting here with you, man. And hey, we're not boring. We're not boring anymore. I'm saying. And we DJed a silent disco. We did. 
That was that fun. was so fun. If you needed any DJs for silent discos, we love it. We actually do a pretty good job. I love silent discos. I also do. That's I would so just not... come to your silent disco too. I, I yeah, love it. I, I would do it for one person. Please. I would do a one person silent disco. Please. Please call us. Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderberg, here with my co-host, Coop McCullough. How are we, Coop? I'm doing good. It's good to be here with you, Pinata Zach. That's me. Hit me up and get some Jolly Ranchers. Hey, we got a good one for you. <laughs> Just keep going. We got Kyle Sims. He is Kevin cool. or Kyle? Okay. Funny, funny guy, funny guy over here. We start the interview, and like I normally do, I'll say, well, Cooper, thank you for being with us. And I'm looking down, I look up at him, and we're like, all right, Coop's like, all right, three, two, one, go. I go, well, Kevin, it's so good to see you. And he goes, oh, my name's Kyle. <laughs> it's so tough. <laughs> it was very tough. Such a tough start. And then he, he like played it off cool. It was right. so awesome, because he is a great dude. Yes. So he's the founder of 49 Financial here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. It's just a money management. They're helping people steward their money well. Yep. And he talks about the power of a team. Because I got to talk to him before we did the interview, just yeah, saying, got- like, what gets you passionate about leadership? And he said, getting to do what I love with the people I love. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's powerful. And he was talking not only about his work, but his family. Yes. And so we talked to him about the power of a team. And what's so cool about this interview is that we'll ask him a question and he'll answer it from the perspective of work and leading people uh, to, to accomplish a goal. But then he'll talk about it from the perspective of his family yes. and what it looks like to lead the team of his wife and kiddos. And that is so cool. It's this guy, awesome. it's amazing. It was like, we left that interview. You can talk about what you yes. said to him at the end. It was Absolutely. amazing. So, so I, was, I was talking with him after and I just, I mean, I just thanked him because I was saying how... Um, the word I used, and maybe there's a better word for it, whatever, but I was like, after I was like, man, I just want to encourage you that you literally ooze Jesus. Yeah. And what I meant by that was there, I feel like there are so many people that um, identify as like, man, Christian, like Christianity is a, is a box that I check and it's a bubble um, on part of the like web chart that right. is my life. If I'm in the middle and one of the bubbles is Christianity check mark or on the list of things that I'm involved in Christianity, where as I would say, Kyle would be the type of guy where if you're looking at a list of all the things that he's involved in, the piece of paper would be a representation of his faith and how right. it literally is the foundation that holds everything together. Amazing. He was, I mean, so inspiring. Um, just a family leader, a business leader, like truly striving to be excellent in the workforce so that Christ can be made known. So humble too. He yes. like he plays he played football at Harvard. Yes. Graduated he, from you'll Harvard. You hear him like just like play mumble through yes. that. He's like I wasn't gifted enough to play in at uh, the SEC or the Big like, 12. So I went so, Ivy League. So he's like I actually played uh 4 years at Harvard for Ivy. I was like, "Oh, uh, can you say that again?" Yeah, literally. So after uh, playing and going to school at Harvard, he graduated and worked on Capitol Hill for a while and yes. then decided he wanted to start a family in Dallas, came back just started a business and now he's killing it. And a funny connection between him and Senator James Lankford. Yes, Senator James Lankford, who we interviewed a couple episodes ago, did his premarital counseling. Which is a hilarious connection. We were like talking so about some cool. other people we interviewed, and he was like, no way! Yeah. Senator, did a, he did my marriage counseling. That's amazing. It's so cool. But he's winning at work. He's winning at home. We love him. Here he is, Kyle Sims. Kyle, thanks for being on. Bet, I'm excited to, to uh, listen to you and no problem, ask you George. some questions. So, <laughs> 
for for context, I just called him Kevin. Yeah. Just for some of y'all listening. But introduce yourself. What yeah. are you doing here in Dallas? Where'd you come from? How'd you get to where you are? Sure, 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 sure. Uh, so name's Kyle Sims. Uh, I my a little bit uh, background my story. Um, grew up in the DFW area, originally from Irving, Texas. Uh, went to MacArthur High School here locally. Um, played all kinds of sports growing up. Ultimately played football in college. Um, and so wasn't, you know, athletically gifted enough to play in the Big 12 or SEC. Right. So ended up playing in the Ivy League. Uh, so played all four years at Harvard. Um, graduated. Uh, I studied government while I was in college. So I actually worked on Capitol Hill for just a little while. So I, I definitely enjoyed listening to Senator Lankford. And of course. Have, uh, followed him for a long time and uh, have immense respect for the, what he's doing. Uh, but spent some time on Capitol Hill. Realized that wasn't uh, necessarily where uh, I would be long term. So my wife and I met while we were both in college. Senator Lankford actually did our premarital counseling. And, um, and so we, um, we moved back to Texas because she's from Oklahoma. And we weren't going to move there. Uh, right, and so, <laughs> but never. Yeah, never, never, never. <laughs> uh, so, um, when I moved back, uh, got into um, the uh, commercial real estate space. Okay. Did that for uh, almost three years, and it was great. There wasn't anything necessarily that I didn't like about it. But for me, um, I, uh, I realized that as I began to get some experience and reflect on, you know, spending 40, 50, 60 hours a week of my life doing something, um, I wanted to do something uh, where I could tangibly see on a day-to-day basis how the work I was doing was having an impact on people's lives. Uh, not that that can't happen right. in the real estate space, but in, in, in the environment that I was in, uh, I realized that it was time for me to look for something different. So I looked at a lot of different things. Um, and one of those things was stepping into the financial advising space. So this would have been late 04, early 2005. Um, mm. I, uh, I, I got into our industry, which I've been in now for the last 15 years, uh, which is working with families, working with small business owners, uh, specifically in the, uh, in the financial advising right. space. So That's awesome. So you started the company 49 Financial. Mm-hmm. Kind of talk about the, uh, the mission of what y'all are doing. Yeah. What's, the, what's the goal of yeah. y'all's business? Absolutely. So I'll speak to the origin of the name, and, uh, and then kind of that will inform yeah. uh, the rest of your questions. Um, so when I was contemplating actually getting into the business, um, at the time, uh, the church that my wife and I were attending, I heard a whole sermon uh, on Ecclesiastes 4.9, which mm-hmm. says two are better than one because they receive a better return for their labor. Right. Um, and, uh, and I thought to myself, you know, that uh, really captures the essence of what we do in our, in our industry, in our business. Uh, but then uh, in terms of focusing on how we can come alongside clients and literally help them get a better return for their labor through right. uh, providing guidance. Um, but then not only that, internally, uh, having grown up playing sports, I always loved and uh, being a part of a team, right? Mm. And uh, that really kind of just stirs my affections as being right. a part of a group of people who have common values, who are pursuing a common mission. And I thought, you know, if you could ever recapture, recreate that aspect of team uh, in a business context, that'd be something pretty cool. And I thought the idea of two or better than one really uh, codified uh, that as well. Uh, and so... That was the idea for just a name of a, of a company right. yeah, um, yeah. way back at 0405. Uh, and then it evolved over time to where uh, a group of us came together and started building 49. Um, and I've uh, just been so blessed to see the ways that, it, that it's grown uh, mm-hmm. over the course of the last six, seven years. That's amazing. And you, you mentioned it in there. And kind of the discussion we want to have today is revolving around the team, yeah. the team aspect. But before we get into the team at 49, talk about your team at home. Sure. With, with your wife and kids, you have five kids. We do. Four of which are adopted. Uh-huh. Tell us that story. Absolutely. Tell us about them. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, and just as a disclaimer, I may tear up because I usually do when I talk about my family. But um, so uh, as far as uh, my family, um, we um, very very early on, my wife and I um, knew. So my father was adopted from Korea, and mm-hmm. so even when we were uh, engaged and talking about you know uh, our family, uh, we thought that adoption might be part of our story. Uh, and so we had our first child, who's now our oldest son. He's 14. Um, and, uh, and for a variety of reasons, uh, we, uh, we, as we began to think and pray through how we would uh, grow our family from there, uh, we thought that adoption was the way to go. Uh, and so we pursued adoption um, uh, through Korea, and we actually uh, used the same adoption agency that facilitated our, uh, my father's adoption mm. from Korea in the 1950s. Um, for our daughter, wow. um, and uh, and so that was pretty cool. So we adopted her. She's now 11. We got her when she was eight months um, uh, from Korea, and uh, she's just been a joy to have as part of the family. Right. And then um, after that, uh, we're like, you know, I think this is not just a one-time thing for us. Like the Lord really stirred our heart towards adoption and, and the fatherless for that matter. Right. So we pursued adoption again. We adopted, um, at that time would have been our third child, uh, Bolton, who's now our six-year-old. Um, and, um, he's here, uh, from, uh, from Dallas. Mm. Um, we've had him since birth. And then, um, we stepped into foster care. Okay. And so we started doing foster care and we had different foster kids come in and out of the house. Mm. Uh, and in this, in the season of doing foster care, uh, we got a phone call that Bolton's older biological siblings had gone into foster care. No and so they came to live with us. We did foster care mm. for a couple of years with them. And then we were able to officially adopt them in November of 2017. So just amazing to see how the Lord, uh, has just moved and worked in the life of our family and allowed us to participate in this miracle of adoption. It's amazing. I love hearing that story. And as we're talking about a team, we kind of broke it down into three aspects and that a team is, has a common goal. Yeah. A team has clear communication uh, from the top down and then it has accountability wrapping it at all. And that that encapsulates a team at work and a team at home. Sure. It's like your, your family is on a common goal. Your family has communication. Your family has accountability. But we want to talk about it from your business as well. And feel free to talk about both. Yeah. But start with the common goal. Discuss just the common goal of a team and what one that looks like for you, whether it's family or at 49, but just the common goal from a leadership standpoint of a team. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, I think that one of the things I love about sports, and I'll, I'll use this analogy, is uh, is it really serves as a microcosm of like how this these elements of team kind of um, uh, get made manifest and put on display, right, right in a kind of a, a condensed period of time. And so it's it's easy because like the goal, right, for a football team, for example, is you know win the game and then ultimately win a championship. Uh, but if you had a bunch of a collection of individuals that were not unified in what they were pursuing, right, right. they were out there for individual. And we've seen it, right? Bad teams, they don't. Uh, if people are just going after stats, right, right. Um, then uh, then it doesn't work. And so it's kind of the same thing, right? You got to like codify, okay, what are we doing, right? And um, and I think part of the job of a leader is to take um, the 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 unique ways in which the Lord has gifted each person that's part of that uh, part of your team, um, and then bring those things together and say, okay, what can we do together, right? right? Uh, and so for us, um, you know, at uh, at work, it's about man. How can we, um, we have big goals, big hopes, big dreams. I mean, we want to revolutionize the financial industry. That's yeah. what we talk about here is we want to do it a little bit differently. Um, and that's not to in any way say that it's been done 
poorly or bad or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But man, we just want to we just want to do it differently, right? right? And we want team to permeate through all that we do, and we want to create an environment where people can come be a part of something bigger than themselves and can have a career where they get to impact people's lives in a positive way and, and can flourish. Um, yeah. And so uh, the the words that we use uh, is kind of our rallying cries. Let's revolutionize the industry, yeah. right? Um, and so the team unites behind that. But then in addition to that, it's taking the time to get to know like each individual on the team and know like, man, why is that so important to Ben? Why is that so important to Jeff? Why is that? Why does that matter to Colin? Right. And then my job is to help like you know draw that out and then create space for them to flourish uh, mm-hmm. in that. And so that we can all kind of work together towards this bigger picture, but at the same time, uh, pursue kind of your individual goals and individual, what you're looking to accomplish as well. Right. How do you say like shoot for the stars? Do you have a goal of revolutionizing just the financial industry? Like that's huge. That's a huge goal. Absolutely. And like, I I applaud you for that. That's awesome. And then how do you shoot for that, but then attain little steps or action steps to get to your final goal? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I think it is... um, it's exactly what you said, man. It's okay. So understand like big picture. Here's what we're trying to do. And I go back to, um, you know, the football analogy, right. you know, you don't win the Super Bowl uh, in August, right? But you take steps in August when you report for camp mm-hmm. uh, to that are going to lead to that. So right. it's figuring out, okay, what's it going to take for us to thrive as a firm? Well, we've got to start building, you know, clients, right? right. So what is it going to take for us to build clients? So it's just breaking it down into those little steps. And I think that's the job of a leader is to see around the corner, to see like, okay, here's where we're going, to see what people can't see mm-hmm. just yet, um, and uh, and then go all the way back to what do we need to do today in order to get us to you know, where it is that we want to go, right. and then how do I motivate people, um, and then... I think, how do I draw out the gifts that people have mm. to get them to take those steps so that together we can get to that that end game? That's great. So I think part of the job of a leader is to create personal, personally create the time to reflect on, okay, where are we going and what's mm. it going to take so that you can then go back to the people that you've been entrusted to lead and that are looking to you and saying, okay, here's what we need to do today. Right. Talk about empowerment or the motivation you, you talked about. Motivating your team, how does that best work out or play out for you? Yeah, I think it... Well, it definitely best plays out in the context of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Colin Powell uh, who said no one is more apathetic than someone who's in pursuit of another one's in- objective, right. right? And so um, the minute that anybody on your team feels as though you're asking them to do something that is self-serving for you, like, hey, do this, you know, because you're, you stand to gain primarily from mm-hmm. it. Like, one, that's wrong, right? right. Uh, I don't think that that's what we, we do as leaders. Uh, but two, um, man, whether they articulate it or not, um, it's not going to be genuine motivation that they have. So for me, um, it is figuring out, like, building a relationship with people, figuring out what's important to this person, and then connecting that to, okay, how does that fit into the context of the broader, right, scope right. of what we're trying to do? Um, and then uh, And then trying to connect all those dots and and make it work. And hopefully it does. And if it doesn't, right. And if what they're trying to accomplish is so like disconnected from, you know, what we're trying to do as an organization, well then, then we know it's not, it's not uh, the right fit. Right. Right. Um, But, uh, but yeah, getting to do something because of your own objective, I think is a very quick way to build resentment and to build a pretty disenfranchised team. Yeah, that's great. Talk about reinstating the, the common goal, 
throughout time. And so you never lose track of where you're going yeah. and constantly reminding your team of that. How do you do that effectively? Because I feel like a lot of teams have this mission statement. Sure. It's like, we exist to do such and such yeah. to increase shareholder value, you know, right. and they have it plastered on a wall, but people walk by it every day and don't yeah. necessarily know what it says or live it out. Yeah, yeah. So for y'all at 49 Financial, how do you reinstate the mission so you never lose sight of where you're going? Right. Um, that's, that's a great question. I think it, starts with the leader, right? Mm -hmm. Like you got to remind that back to yourself, right. right? Like, okay, what does this mean? Like, what does that mean for me today um, to revolutionize the financials? What conversations do I need to have today mm -hmm. in order to, to execute in alignment with that goal, right? right. So it starts with the leader uh, believing it and having conviction around it, keeping it in front of yourself on a present uh, or uh, keep it in front of you. Um, and then it is, uh, we create um, a lot, I mean, the way that we've built out our schedule, we've got a lot of time uh, with where we're together as a group, but then also where we're out, you know, uh, in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when we're together as a group, man, we're going to, we're going to, kind of preach it back to each other, right. like, hey, here's what we're about, here's what we're doing, here's what that looks like this week, right? And so you got to be connecting the kind of the strategic and the tactical, I think, and mm -hmm. bringing everything into, into context. Um, and then um, it is also reminding people why we even talk about it so often, right? right? And so one of the things that I talk about with uh, with our team and definitely at home is, um, is that... Uh, look, do you ever wonder, like, why are we having these motivational talks? Why are we, okay, we've heard this a million times, right? Revolutionize the industry right. and all this other stuff. Um, why do we have to do that? And the reason that we have to do that is because if we don't, we just kind of go out into the world. And in the same way that if you just went days and days and days without bathing, you'd start to smell like the world. You'd kind of mm. be like a little uh, grimy, a little dirty. Right. Um, well, you, in the same way, you have to have physical hygiene um, to stay clean and not become you know, look and smell just like the world. So it is with your kind of the mental side of it as well. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, we've, this is an act of kind of mental hygiene for us right. as a group. Um, and that's why we have to do it over and over and over again. Cause if not, we'll just start to slip into looking like the rest of the world mm -hmm. and then we're not distinctive and that's not attractive in the marketplace. Right. That's so good. I love that. I want to kind of switch over to the family side. Yeah. What's the kind of the common goal of your family, the Sims family, when people yeah. see them walking down the street, they know that they're on a mission to do something and it may not be revolutionizing the financial industry, <laughs> yeah, but it could be changing the world in a different way. So what yeah. would you say the common goal is for your family? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. And so the way that we do it, and this comes from, uh, man, I forget the author, but I heard it on a, a podcast a couple years ago. And so my wife and I have gone through this exercise. Um, but, um, uh, and we can circle back around and I can give credit to the author cause it's not an original sure. idea, sure. but, um, but, um, he basically is his business coach, right? And he was saying, uh, I coach executives and I realize that people are all about strategic initiatives and a mission statement at a business right. value, but they don't apply that same level of organizational thought to their families. Mm -hmm. And I was deeply convicted by that because that was definitely me. So a couple years ago, uh, my wife and I started taking the uh, season between Christmas and New Year's to really reflect on, okay, like what's our rallying cry going to be for uh, the next year? Mm -hmm. And uh, and so we would reflect on, okay, what did the Lord do in our lives last year? 
And then, you know, what do we want to be the rallying cry for, for our family, for the Sims family? Right. And, uh, and so last year, our rallying cry was we wanted to move from, uh, it sounds cheesy, but from surviving to thriving, mm-hmm. right? And so we looked at, okay, in what ways are we just merely existing uh, and not simp- not thriving? And what does that look like for us, for like for my wife and I, but then also what does that look like for each one of our kiddos? Right. So we'd have individual conversations with our kids and be like, okay, here's some ways in which I think, right, um, you could move towards like just flourishing more and not hmm. simply getting by. Uh, this year, um, it is um, bringing order out of chaos. Mm. You know, with five kids, you know, in the 14 to six-year-old uh, age range, right. um, it's, uh, it can be chaotic at times, right? Yeah. Starting a business, all that goes into that. Um, and so it's how can we pursue and create more order out of the chaos that is our lives? Mm. Um, and that's not just so that we have everything, but I mean, that's like so that, you know, as it relates to our kind of spiritual rhythms and disciplines and pursuing the Lord and time with the Lord. And so uh, Common Rule has been right. a really good book for us um, that, uh, that we've gone through with our home group um, that has helped kind of instill some of those those rhythms and those disciplines. So uh, it's a long-winded way of saying totally. it, it evolves over time, right? right. Um, I think that if you look at the theme of our family's life, um, it would uh, adoption has played a huge role in that, um, and uh, and that's certainly here on earth, but also uh, the ways in which the Lord has allowed us to participate in adoption. Every chance that we get, pointing that back to um, our spiritual adoption and the miracle yeah. of adoption, that we could be sons and daughters, right? Yeah. Uh, and as I say all this, I should have said this from the beginning, but as I say all this, the last thing I ever want to do ever is come across as like having all these things figured out. Right. Like I. I'm tripping all over myself trying to figure these things out. And everything that I'm saying and doing imperfectly, uh, very much imperfectly, and getting it wrong as much, if not more, than I get it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife uh, could tell you that. Um, and so I like I, the only uh, wisdom, the only value of anything that I would say would be from learning from failures and wisdom and value that comes from ulti- first and foremost scripture, right? Absolutely. And the fear of the Lord, uh, but then also having other mentors around me that have, have helped instill some of these things. So, yeah, I just want to make sure anytime I get a chance to talk to something like this, like, I don't have it all figured totally. out. I am trying to figure it out. I understand. That's the point of the team and, yeah. the, and the team gathering around and on a, on a common goal and going to one place. I want to make one final point yep. on the common goal, just to point out something that you you've done well that I've already seen, we've been sitting down for what, 10 minutes, is that every goal you state, whether it's with your family or with uh, your business, it's so simple, but it's so moving. Mm. It's like, it's something that I want to get behind and something I want to run and chase after, like whether it's go from surviving to thriving or revolutionizing the financial industry, whatever it is, it's something that sticks and remembers. And I think that's what a goal is, a common goal. If you want to get to wrap people around right. where you're going, yeah. it's got to be simple and they got to be able to remember it and, and, and be able to recite it. So that's awesome. Thanks, man. And I love just learning from that. And I think that's something we all can apply to whether it's our life or yeah. our business. No, so I appreciate you saying that. And just to unpack that a little bit further, I think that, um, it, hopefully it's something that, you know, it hits you a certain way, maybe that, different than it hits right. me or, uh, Cooper, right? Uh, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> so it hits, it means something to us, but it all hits us different ways based on where the Lord has us in our life. Right. right. And, uh, so it, again, it broad enough that, um, 
that it, it's truth, so it resonates, but then it means something at a practical level as well. Mm. That's so good. And I think the best way to get it out is by communicating it. It's like totally. your, your goal cannot move anywhere if you don't communicate it to the people you're trying to lead. Yeah. And, and at that point, it's pointless. So talk about communication within your team. If the team doesn't communicate well, it's going to fail. Totally. And that's, that's inevitable. And yeah. so talk about how your team creates clear communication path from the top down. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So I think um, it's, uh, you know, the way that we run our schedule as a, as a, as a team is uh, two days a week, Mondays and Thursdays. Um, those are kind of our, we're all together days, right? We're running team meetings. We're doing group trainings. Right. Uh, we've got organizational meetings, all kinds of different things, right? Um, with the idea that we're kind of bookending the week with, you know, culture, right? Mm -hmm. And in those meetings, we're talking about, um, and all the different things that we do at all the different levels insofar as how we engage with clients, um, how we engage with each other, you know, things that we're working on, strategic objectives, like how does that draw back to these bigger picture goals, right? Um, so that people can be deployed on Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday to right. go out into the marketplace and kind of bring that to, uh, to fruition. Um, so those are kind of two big ways that we do it is the organizational days on Mondays and Thursdays. And then, um, we have daily accountability. So we've got accountability structure, uh, within, uh, our team to where people, uh, have, uh, kind of a mentor that's their manager, right? Their mm -hmm. leader, um, that is a little bit further down the road, has right. more experience that they're going to be accountable to. Then they've got a peer accountability person uh, that they're accountable to is at a similar stage in the career as them. Mm -hmm. And they have um, weekly check-ins with their peer accountability. Um, so that's like almost like, hey, man, here's what I'm going through. You know, how do you get through this? They almost commiserate. And then they've got somebody that they're pouring into, they're uh, mentoring in, in, the, uh, in the career. And so it creates... Um, communication for sure, but then also accountability to the bigger picture goal, uh, both at a macro and then at, a, at an individual level. That's good. I, I think going back to the communication part real quick is talking about even communication from the bottom up. Say sure. someone that has just joined your team, yeah. being able to communicate with the founder clearly and, and someone that is is above them. I think a lot of organizations, they have trouble or there's like a, almost like a, a nervousness to, to go into that door because maybe their door yeah. is shut or something. Oh, Talk yeah. about that being able yeah. to be authentic and open the door to invite people into conversation so you can commu communicate mm -hmm. and, and get things done. Yeah, yeah. So we have um, feedback groups um, mm -hmm. where uh, it's on the schedule. Uh, it's where it is. We're getting together as a group and saying, okay, uh, give us the feedback. What do we need, right? What do we need to be doing better? Because there's obviously always going to be opportunities to improve and build on uh, what you're doing. And that comes from, uh, I was in an on onboarding uh, meeting with our newest advisors uh, on Monday, and we spent time, I was like, okay, y'all have been here for two weeks, right? How can, we, how can we create a better onboarding experience for the next group of new advisors? Give mm. us the feedback, right? Yeah. And so it's, I think it's the job of, um, you can't just, uh, as a leader, expect people are going to give you feedback, right. right? You have to initiate that and, and make it kind of a, an okay thing. Invite that and say, hey, what can we be doing better, right? And create yeah. um, a culture of, you know, 
constructive feedback. Right. Uh, we talk a lot about um, kind of this challenger skeptic model, mm-hmm. right? With uh, uh, with our group, it's like, hey, man, we need challengers, right? A skeptic is someone who's just going to take shots at right. you know and tell you everything that's wrong with an organization and not offer no salute constructive solutions. Uh, they're just there to you know point out how the doer of deeds could have done them better, right? Totally. Um, a challenger say, hey, I think we could do this better, right? Mm-hmm. So just had you know right before this, I was visiting with one of our advisors. And um, he was offering really constructive feedback. And I think that it's the job of a leader to be receptive to that. Even if you may not agree with it on on this, you don't need to push back on it right away. Mm. It's... um, Thank you for the feedback. This is super helpful. And then in the conversa- in the context of some dialogue, figure out, okay, how do we get to the right solution? As That's opposed good. to just being like, well, you're wrong and here's why. Right. Because a leader, you know, they're thinking, well, I've got perspective that you don't have. You can't see this. And while all that may be true, in the same way, and trust me, I get this wrong, in the same way if I tell my 14-year-old why he should or shouldn't do that because I'm for- almost 40, not quite mm-hmm. 40, um, uh, I may be right. But I may also really shut off communication right. to where he's not even going to he- listen to what I have to say yeah. because I just shut him down. Um, and, uh, and that's not healthy. Right. Uh, it might make me feel like, you know, oh, you're awesome. You know what you're talking about. But that's not the goal. Right. And I think where a lot of the disconnect is is where a leader is willing to receive feedback. Totally. But there's kind of a wall there that they don't see that's not allowing the people they're leading to get into their world to ask them questions. So what are some good questions for a, from a leadership standpoint to ask to someone they're leading to provide feedback or to get feedback and kind of prod that out of them and, and make it authentic? Yeah. Uh, so if, if I understand the question correctly, it's like, how do you uh, elicit constructive feedback yeah. from yeah, yeah. people? Um, I think you gotta you gotta approach them in a lot of humility, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you approach people in humility, then I feel like it gives them a light or it creates a comfort level um, with them being willing to offer criticism. Right. And so, for, from a leader perspective, be like, hey man, um, one of the things I love about uh, what we do is, man, we, we try to get it right, and I know that we don't get it right. right. And I know there's things that we are doing now that we could be doing better. Hmm. Um, and uh, and so know that you're not going to offend me at all. I want your honest and open feedback, man. How could we, and then be specific, man, how could we onboard people better? Mm. How can we create a better client experience for our clients? Right. Um, do you know, you've been here, whatever it is, six months now, 12 months now, you've got a really fresh perspective. So affirming them in, right. in where they're at, um, man, what could we be doing better? That would be more in alignment with what we say our goal is mm. because we know we don't have it all right. Right. Um, And so I think for me, it's just trying to be humble in the way that you approach people. Um, That's um, where you're not like, you know, it's not fake. Totally. Right. And they're just saying, oh, you know, something to say, something to check a box. And they'll probably still do that anyway. Right. But (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about being fake and like the the authenticity of leadership and and being accountable as we walk into our last point. You talked about the accountability groups and accountability partners within your advisors. So what is kind of the balance between having accountability and letting your team take ownership of of what they're doing and not micromanaging and not kind of just looking over their shoulder? How do you balance that and what does that look like? Yeah, um, I um, it's pretty simple, but I I hate being micromanaged, right? right? I'm going to push back on that, right? Yeah. So, um, and again, I don't get it right, but uh, all the time. Uh, But I think it is really trying to take on the perspective of the person you're talking to. Mm -hmm. How would 
I want to be approached in this scenario, right? right? So if I'm struggling um, getting new clients, right, um, I don't need a leader to tell me, um, hey, man, you're, you're really struggling getting new right. clients, right? right. I know that, right? Um, help me figure out a solution as to why that is, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's uh, it's simply saying, hey, man, uh, I, I, I see this, right? I see that you're struggling with kind of engaging and getting new clients. Uh, man, I'm here to help, right? I mean, what, what can we do um, to, to help support you? What do you think the solution is? Well, I think there's a progression of questions, actually. And again, this is from... Uh, somebody else, not me, but what do you perceive the real challenge here to be? Like, what's the real problem, right. right? Get them talking about what they think the problem is and as necessary, ask questions to help them articulate that problem and then say, what do you think the solution is? Hopefully they offer up a, a solution. Um, and in the context of just asking good questions, um, you can then, you know, create accountability and ownership because right. they're then owning the solution um, in that. It doesn't always work perfectly, but I think it helps a lot right. um, because it's their idea, right? And it's and it's mm-hmm. oftentimes it's a, a solution that you wouldn't have come up with on your own, right? right. Um, and so I think there's that. And then also I think, um, and this is definitely from parenting, um, there are times uh, where I've just got to let our kiddos fail, mm-hmm. right? Even when I want to jump in and I can mm-hmm. think of a specific example that yeah. comes to mind and I want to jump in and I want to correct and I want to parent, I just got to let them fail, yeah. And then we, and then we, then then talk about it, and talk about it in a way that is not authoritative. Like, I can't believe you did this, or why didn't you do this? It's just like, hey, right? <laughs> you know, are totally. you are you open to some feedback on this? Yeah. Um, but uh, but just let people fail. Um, mm. Let them skin their knees. Don't let them run out in the middle of traffic, right, and get right. run over. But uh, let them skin their knees a little bit, and then uh, and then debrief on it, and try and come up with a solution to do better next time. That is so. That's kind of like a point I've been like fascinated on. Is like letting someone fail or like letting your kids fail because objectively I don't have any children. So it's easy for me to say like, yeah, you just got to let them fail, you know? But in the moment I can only imagine how hard it is not to just reach in and grab and and pull them out. So kind of talk about that and just totally how hard that is and how to do it well. Yeah. Parenting or even in business. Oh yeah. Uh, I think it's, um, again, it starts with uh, yourself, like being okay, uh, like failing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, like I, fail all the time. Right. And so, and that's okay. Right. I was having a conversation with the guys in my community group just earlier this morning about that. I was like, man, you know, a, a, not nailing this, right. And being okay with that. Right. Um, and, uh, and knowing that, man, we're all just a bunch of busted up people mm-hmm. trying to, you know, uh, make progress together. Um, and so it almost yourself, like acknowledging your own failures, your own shortcomings, um, because if you internally think that I've got to be completely buttoned up and don't hear me say that you need to be kind of like just wearing everything on your shoulder, but right. like, I've got everything buttoned up. I'm perfect. All this other stuff. And so I'm going to demand that of other people. Um, I'm not saying don't, you know, go for results. That's super important. Right. Uh, but, um, but if you can't, I think own and, uh, accept your own failures and shortcomings, it'd be very difficult for you to, uh, accept others, mm-hmm. right? Uh, failures and shortcomings. Um, and so, uh, because then you're going to project all of your frustrations. This is total armchair psychology. Sorry, yeah. dude. Uh, but no, uh, you're going to, you're going to project all your, uh, other frustrations on these people. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so I think I've got to own my own crap. Right. Um, and that allows me to then create an environment where we can celebrate failure. Hmm. Uh, so our oldest son, he plays uh, a lot of baseball and, um, some of my favorite moments uh, in, in watching him play ball 
are definitely not hitting home runs. I mean, those are great, and we celebrate those totally. and all that other stuff. But some of my favorite moments are when he strikes out, yeah. because that is this the fertile ground to talk about failure and mm-hmm. how and like and just celebrating that. Yeah, like, dude, that was awesome, right. right? I know it sucks. You struck out. Yeah, but dude, you're up there. You know, <laughs> full count, runners on. Man, you gave it your best shot, yeah. and that's okay. And so that it's okay to fail. Um, mm. And so creating a culture where that's okay right. and giving people the kind of the safety to do that. Again, it's all control. It's not like right. you're, you're failing irresponsibly or being reckless, mm. but making it a safe place to fail quite a bit. That is so good. And such a hard concept to do of allowing people to fail. Yeah. And I think um, one last thing I'm going to talk about on accountability, I just kind of lost my train of thought here. Whatever. Oh, Yes. Kind of what you were talking about earlier of you kind of rise and fall with the tide. Like either yeah. one of you wins the Super Bowl or all of you win the Super Bowl. You know, right. it's like not just one guy wins. Totally. And so as a leader, you have to take responsibility for your own actions and for the results of the team. 100%. So kind of talk about how that plays into effective team leadership of taking taking responsibility, taking ownership for the, the results of everybody. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's, it's saying that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I use sports analogies with our team totally. all the time. Right. And uh, and so there's a reason that coaches get let go mm-hmm. uh, and or they or they get to um, uh, keep their contracts. And the reason is because I think fundamentally we all know that the performance of the team is a reflection on how the coach did. Totally. And so hopefully it, with with uh, our guys and, and gals, I've had this conversation I'm like, hey, um, as the leader here, uh, like it's a reflection on my leadership as to whether or not we're performing at a high level or not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the relationship is tight enough that they like, I get that. Right. Yeah. And so, and so then it kind of activates and then like, okay, we're going to go, we're going to get after it. And so you've built in enough credibility with people because they know that this isn't about you, but rather it's about what we can do together as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you, that when you got to push people, and there will be seasons when you need to push people, like, hey, we, we need results. Let's yeah. go, right? Let's get after it. Mm-hmm. Um, they know that it's coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think part of what a coach does and what a leader does is knowing when to push, knowing when to let up, knowing, right. you know, knowing where your people are at. Like, um, if someone's walking through something very difficult uh, at home, like, I'm not going to push hard, right? right. I'm going to, what's going, like, man, what's going on? How can I help? How can I serve you in, in the most respectful way possible? But I'm not going to push that person for results in that right. season. And that's part of a leader is knowing, knowing what's going on. Yeah. Um, so anyway, hopefully there's Absolutely. something. No, that was there. good. I mean, as, when you're leading a team, you got to know your goal. You got to totally. communicate your goal. And then you got to wrap it with accountability to be able to accomplish that. Because at the end of the day, you're one team. You have one mission, and you're running after it. Yeah, and I think it's so good. Thank you for your your insight on that. As we as we end, as we finish, I want to ask yeah. you one more question. Yeah. What we ask all of our our leaders we get to talk to, and it's yeah. it's honestly it's one of my favorites. Like sure. this is where just the golden nuggets are. <laughs> you know, of like what if you were looking back at twenty no year old Kyle Sims? Yeah, like what would you tell that guy? What is what do the twenty year olds need to know from the experienced vet? Um, <laughs> um, well, I would. Uh, I would say um, that when I when I was 20 years old, and I turned 40 this month, so I've had a lot of time to reflect, right? Yeah. Um, but um, but man, um, was full of so much ambition, which is great, man. It's a right. gift from the Lord, right? Um, but uh, but I think that um, the end game um, 
for for us, certainly as believers, the end game is Jesus, man, mm-hmm. um, and and to see Him more glorified in our lives. That's what we're running after. Uh, more than career success, more than some uh, picture of what life should look like based on what we see around us, right, or what culture tells us. You know, and these are good things, right, that we can make ultimate things, right? Like, okay, I want to be married to this, I want to have this right. level of professional success by this, this many kids, whatever it is, um, like. Um, the end, the the end game of all of this. I mean, it's Matthew six, right? Seek first the kingdom, and all else will be added. And so, man, just run hard after Jesus mm-hmm. and trust Him for all the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many uh, occasions in which I have pursued my own thinking, and His ways are not our ways. They're so much higher than our ways. And uh, and our family looks. I, I could not have. Dr- this is definitely not. My life today does not look like what I thought it would have looked like when I was twenty years old. Right. Um, but it's so much better, right? Mm-hmm. And in the midst of it being so much better, um, the other thing I would say is, for me, um, obedience to the Lord for me uh, has looked very inconvenient, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there have been uh, plenty of occasions to where I felt like, man, um, the Lord is moving, uh, the Lord's calling us to this or to that or to step out and to take these risks. Man, it has been inconvenient in yeah. many occasions, right? Um, and so, um, so I would say, um, your work, your family, all these things should be the expressions of what God's doing in your life. Um, don't run after some image or some picture of professional success or family success that you think, um, is, is the end game. Cause that's not, that's not it. Mm-hmm. Um, so seek first the kingdom, yeah. trust the Lord. And the other thing I would tell you is, um, I would, the, the first kind of thought or idea I had for this, this firm called 49 was in 2004, 2005. Right. It was, um, you know, seven, eight years before that even got any legs whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I'm looking back, I'm so grateful for that. Right. So grateful for that. So yeah, man, just wait on the Lord, be patient. And uh, stay obedient. Um, it is Eugene Peterson's great work, right? Um, uh, dang it, what's the title of that book? Uh, Obedience in the long, same direction for a long time, or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, <laughs> yeah there's yeah. a book about that. But uh, but yeah, man, just stay faithful, stay obedient, trust the Lord for all uh, all the rest.